What's up, dude? Hey, I can hear you good. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'll be home in just a minute. I had to run to the Ford dealership. Hey, it's perfect. You know, um, just recently, another Nathan in my life, Nathan Murdoch, he did a podcast with me while riding a longboard the entire time. <laughs> That's Murdoch, though. Yeah, it's been a very popular episode, I got to say. <laughs> can you hear? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine, man. Can you hear me? No, no, no. Could you hear him? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, amazing technology. I mean, like, it, it cut out, like, maybe one time for a second, but it was good. Uh, Nate Murdoch, that's something else. Yeah. No, I, honestly, you know, I don't know where you're going to go with today's podcast, but I was literally just on a phone with a father you know we're, we're trying to run a business you are, are you open back up uh we're not doing any kids yet okay um well okay i'll, I'll say that i want to go back to that i because i put a post out on facebook a while back a couple of business owners contacted me kind of kind of solidarity of strength and faith you know their confidence are higher now that i'm opening up <clears throat> and um so why would you have adults who pass it, but not kids who aren't symptomatic of it? As I asked that of the other woman, why are you doing that? <clears throat> Honestly, like everything with us right now is like a perception game. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just trying to piss off the fewest number of people because even doing, <laughs> doing the doing the adults that we're doing, like jujitsu, for example, um, we are doing jujitsu. We're we're only training with one partner. We're doing it like basically what some gyms I'm talking to in Oklahoma are doing. Yep, and that's unpopular amongst some people. And I mean we're. We're just, we're not like walking on eggshells about it, but um, there's a whole right. lot of parents that just like, they're very nervous. Scared. Yes. About bringing yes. their kid back in, about their kid being the guinea pig. That's one comment I heard. Wow. Well, you know, we've been really fortunate. <clears throat> I mean, we really have been fortunate. And we do everything. Still there, dude. Oh, you're back. Sorry, I went to my garage and I, I didn't realize I lost it. I bet it. I bet you, you were hopping on your Wi-Fi. That's what always happens to me when I pull up at my house. Do you have a ABC billing? No, I do not. We use Zen Planner. Okay. Yeah, ABC kind of hosed us. Bad. You know, Danny Drink was with him for a long time. Uh and so is Eric Ingram. Uh, and I think both of them are on Zen Planner now, too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, <clears throat> ABC decided to shut down all billing and um, didn't tell us. And we lost, you know, a whole um, whatever. You know, we have three paid periods throughout the month. And one of them, they just didn't collect our money. They They shut all their collections down and <clears throat> even though our lease and our bills and our insurance everything is due 
Oh, wow, man. That is So insane. when we finally got it opened back up, they were billed for last month and this month, oh. our students. And so we lost 10 students because of that. It was just, it's been kind of crazy, but I'm trying to stay strong, confident, faithful during a very um, uneasy um, and untraveled time. I mean, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this in my life. I remember ducking under my desk for an atomic bomb threats from the Russians back in elementary school. This seems to be the, it's a, the, the statement I like to go with is uh, like unprecedented within our lifetime. You know, this right. is the type of stuff that we only hear about or like speculate about, uh, in, uh, yep. You know, it's it's interesting to see what uh, what's going to happen moving forward. Not necessarily with like reopening things, but just the long term repercussions right. of the closing of things. Right. So, well, we opened up and um, we're running. Um, <clears throat> I would say half speed because we have so many different classes and age groups. We um, we're still running. We just modified the hours. Uh, we are not kind of open to the public, you know, because we don't want to piss everybody off. I've had a few Karens already call, threaten us from Ohio, saying they're watching us, want to know what our health. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. She was mad because she didn't get the answer that she wanted from me. But we have, we take thermal temperatures at the door. We have questionnaires, waivers. No, nobody can come in unless they're training. We do the quarantine partners. <clears throat> they're either family members. They just don't touch. They do solo drilling. Or if they have somebody, somebody that they have chosen to stay with this first phase, we're very smart about it. <clears throat> and this father that I was talking to on the phone, he didn't even know what we were doing. <clears throat> he was pulling his child until January of 2021. He loves us. He loves what we do. <clears throat> and uh, he, he, it's just a fear thing. But he didn't realize that we were really, really being smart. This is not us being stupid. <clears throat> They don't have these protocols when you go to Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's. I know, man. This whole essential, non-essential divide is, it's, it's mind-blowing when you're a business owner, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're man. right. So anyway, that's, that has been our last few weeks. And um, uh, it was a friend of mine. I'm doing a men's leadership um, I guess it's a, not a podcast, but it's a men's leadership. It's like five hours long men's leadership thing tomorrow online with guys all over the country. And I'm actually speaking on faith and leadership during a crisis. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of, it, I, I said this to the dad, I have to be able to not just speak about it and preach about it. I got to be able to act on it. And so I have to step out there with faith and lead where most people are afraid. Like you said, they're, you're going to make some people mad. And I know we probably have. Well, imagine. But, okay. So we feel this weird pressure. Imagine the, uh, the amplification, the pressure wise that elected officials feel from their constituency. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the like, reason that's why probably guiding. Go ahead. Pressure. Yeah. It, it, no, you're right. Uh, we went, um, blue angels were here yesterday and my wife, wanted to go downtown to the little rock bridge we're right here in little rock we went down to the river market and the river market's closed you can't get food there but there was a restaurant around the corner um right across from the state house convention center they were open and as i walk up the chick is outside to greet us with a mask on and we can't come in unless we have a mask well we'll sell you a mask 
I have to have a mask on in your restaurant. How am I going to eat? It's okay for me to take it off to chew and consume food. But then I have to put it on. And then if I want to drink, I take it off to drink, but then I have to put it back on. I mean, none of this makes sense to me at the gym that I go to. They're making me wear a mask while I work, not while I work out, Brian Wilson, not while I work out. In but if I'm not working out, I have to wear the mask, but I'm doing deadlifts on a trap bar with Solo, you know, one of the pro fighters. Oosh, oosh, oh, I know, man. But I don't have to wear a mask when I'm lifting. But the moment I'm done. Oh, man, you know, my gym is because they don't want to deal with that. The fitness center here in town, which it's like, they have everything, uh, sauna, all that. Mm. They are not going to reopen because they're like, we just can't offer a quality service. And they I actually were like all their membership, but you're like the largest facility in town. They didn't even charge anybody. I was like, keep charging me. And they're like, we just don't worry about it. Like, you know, I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds of members. They're, but it's, you know, wow. it's, it's interesting uh, that a lot of gyms have chosen uh, not to reopen. Some in our town have. But. Yeah. Well, we're really smart about it. And um, la this week, I'll tell you, it was it was seriously a breath of fresh air. I don't know how to explain it. You know, I explained to my wife yesterday it was probably the best day we've had, <clears throat> even as a a couple, you know, because this affects us. Like you and Cora, we're business owners together. This is This is what we do. And um, the stress of this will get to you, the pressure of this, and then the money side of this. That's what's killing us the most is the money side. Man, you know, it's weird. Uh, like, it has been affecting my sleep oddly. Like, I just kind of tossed and turned. And I think it's just from consuming so much, like, negative chatter. <sighs> you know? I, can't, I, I don't like the negativity at all. How's that? Can you hear me and see me? Oh, yeah, dude. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Just finished your longboard ride. <laughs> That's good. Nate Murdoch, man. <laughs> He's so funny, dude. I love that guy. <clears throat> well, hey, man. So, you know, we can talk about anything, but like, honestly, I, I know a lot. I know a fair amount about you, but I actually don't know like your whole story about how you got involved in mma like i know you have a an awesome history in the sport like as a competitor uh, as a pro fighter and man i was just basically wondering if you could just fill me in on all that you know like how'd you yeah. get how did you how did you get from a, if this is b what's a and how did you how did you bridge the gap uh well i don't know what alphabet that would be to make this b because i surely didn't go a b this is probably a z where I'm at right now. Uh, <clears throat> well, I really appreciate having me on here. <clears throat> um, honored to be on here. I know some of your past guests and distinguished and distinguished and um, just amazing competitors. But as far as, you know, MMA goes, I'm originally from the Midwest, from Iowa. And, and being in Iowa, you are known for a few things. And you know, I'm corn fed. That's what I hear everywhere I go down here. I'm corn fed Iowa boy. Um, and then it's, it's wrestling, you know, wrestling, Iowa Hawkeye wrestling. And, and I was, uh, you know, a Hawkeye fan. I was able to speak at the university of Iowa not too long ago. And, oh, cool. But, uh, I sucked at wrestling. I, I got my ass kicked wrestling pretty bad. <laughs> I was not an athlete by any means at all in high school. <clears throat> my students can't understand that because they always talk about my muscles. They always talk about my, 
my 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 man packs and um I, and I didn't have these in high school either kids they're like really did you play sports I'm like yeah not really I was an actor and a singer <laughs> man and you are like so how tall are you Nathan six five yeah like you you got big hands it's not like you're like full but you're, the whole time I've known you I'm like that dude's it's a big guy right I did not like, have that in high school <clears throat> wow it's crazy I had a growth spurt really late um, I, I got some height. I ended up getting like a six four, uh, like a size fourteen while I was in high school. But I was still skinny rail, one hundred eighty five pounds my senior year playing football. I mean, I made all conference, but you know there were seven seniors in my school. Seven. I graduated with twenty three people. So it wasn't like they were. They wouldn't have had me on that team if there was more people, probably. But, um, but man, I was just infatuated with boxing. I grew up with. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and, and uh, Lennox Lewis and uh, Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. I hear Mike Tyson's coming back. Ray Boom Boom Mancini. These are – that's what I grew up watching was boxing. And then I graduated in 1993. And we all know what happened in the winter in October 93, UFC number one. And I was in a basement apartment. I graduated at 17. I moved out of the house. And I was, uh, I was homeless there for a while. And then I moved in with this – 80-year-old uh, lady, 90-year-old lady, just rented a basement room from her. And that's when I watched UFC number one. And I said, I don't know what that is, but I want to do it. Then I got into martial arts because I didn't know the difference. I didn't know – we didn't know what jujitsu was. I didn't know the difference between jujitsu, boxing, karate. I didn't know nothing. So I started taekwondo, and that's how I started my martial arts journey was through taekwondo. Became a state champ 10 times, world champion in 2008, got that gold medal. And I got up to fourth degree. I was testing for my fifth degree. I just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, me personally, as I'm choking people now, you know, professionally, not just as a fighter, but even as a coach teaching jujitsu and going to tournaments and, and, and then having the leadership of what Brazilian jujitsu is with my first couple of professors, I just couldn't sell myself on, on this anymore and yeah. sell anybody else that that's self-defense. And that's just my personal I just had to walk away from it completely. And, um, or you'd be bound to me saying, Master Kirby. <laughs> and I you just know, and I, man, I, I knew at one point that you had a background in TKD, but I had completely yeah. forgot. I would completely forgotten. So yeah. when, well, when, I mean, when, did about, when did you stop uh, the traditional training? So I was still doing both. I was, so I had three taekwondo schools in Iowa, and I had a fitness center. Uh, a club fitness and above this was a taekwondo school my instructor was actually renting the space up there and i started something up there called uh we had fight night i don't remember how i started it was just a few guys getting together to do like some self-defense stuff but not this self-defense stuff like i really want to learn how to fight it's real self-defense and not just yeah not <laughs> Not, uh, okay, grab, no, not hand, no, not, no. Okay. Turn your hand this way. And... My other wrist. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, what was that, in living color? Yeah. Jim Carrey? Yeah, yeah. With the yeah knife? Oh, man. You, you stabbed so... me wrong. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so I'm, do I'm doing this, and then um, it took off. Like, my passion with it took off. My instructor tried to get me kicked out of the ATA organization that I was a part of up there. 
because I was teaching kids how to fight or something like this. I didn't even have mat rats. I mean, I have three-year-olds now. I didn't even have kids under 10 at the time. And uh, so I actually started the first ever fight club, legit. I mean, I had a banner that says fight club. I put it in the newspaper, it said fight club. And we had it once a month <clears throat> in my building upstairs. The city shut us down because we had too many people upstairs. It was free. We had guys coming in all over from Iowa. This is the first time I met guys from Militage. Guys are coming in from Des Moines, wrestlers coming in. And they're like, I mean, a true fight club, Brian. True on fight club. You come in, I weighed you on a scale. And if you were kind of within 20, 30 pounds of this guy, or this guy was within 15, 20 pounds of this guy, I would give you a lanyard and a number around your neck. And I would call out number one and number 13. That's me. And they would go and fight. And I'm out there kind of refereeing and coaching along the way so I can cover my butt to say it's instructional. Uh, and this was probably 2003, 4, 5, 2005. I started doing that. And um, I had a guy, his name was Rod Montoya, the executioner. He ended up being on the Ultimate Fighter with Roley. Um, he was a pro fighter from Iowa. He was coming to train with me, and it just got to a point where, you know, I didn't have any ego in the game because I was still a student. I was getting taught, you know, traditional martial arts, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And, and I finally said, hey, look, man, we sat down one day, and I said, we need to go up to Davenport, up to where Pat Militich is. We need to go to the Militich fighting systems. We got to go up there. I, I can only take you so far because I only know so much. And so we started going up to Militich fight team. And that's when um, I got to train with Brock Lesnar. He was up, actually had a massage therapy business. And um, I took my table up there. I didn't have any money. You know, I'm, I am barely educated out of high school and I'm running my own fitness center, which I have no idea how they gave me the loan for that. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> and my own taekwondo schools, had a massage therapy business. I'm massaging Brock Lesnar on my table for my payment at Champions in, in Bettendorf. And um, Josh Neer, the dentist, yeah, um, I worked on him. But I'm training with Joe Jordan and Spencer Fisher, you know, Matt Hughes. I'm having breakfast with Matt Hughes and the Hillbilly Heartthrob. You know, he was in the Ultimate Fighter and Ben Rothwell are at my fights. I have Tim Sylvia and Matt Hughes both at my MMA fights that I was promoting in Iowa. And um, it's just kind of a crazy whirlwind of like a year or two up there. And I started fighting. Um, started fighting amateur, started fighting professionally, started fighting for a title, um, had my first loss. It was my first title fight, and that was my first wrestler I ever fought. Oh, my gosh, man. Choked me. I didn't know jiu-jitsu, real jiu-jitsu at the time. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, I ended up getting an offer. And I was still promoting up in Iowa, and I ended up getting an offer to run a taekwondo school here in Arkansas. And they knew that I did MMA. And they knew that I did promotions. And so that was the hook for them to bring me down here. I didn't realize what their agenda was until I was here. So without going through all that drama for four years, 2012, I went out on my own. <laughs> I'll say that. And uh, that's how I started Rock City was 2012 in my garage with about six students. And, uh, but my jujitsu journey was kind of different because I had done nogi and MMA and fighting and wrestling with Team Hard Drive and Cedar Rapids. And, um, 
and uh, cross-training with Militich up there in Davenport. Never once put a gi on. Actually, this is how uneducated I was. And this is why I have some empathy being, um, I'm a, uh, it's April, uh, it's May, last, uh, just last month, April, I had my black belt now two years. Still don't feel nice. like I deserve it, right? You know, we get that imposter syndrome sometime. So I was invited by a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt um, who was cross-training with us at Team Hard, Team Hard Drive. And my coach was so cool. He's an old-school wrestler. He wasn't Jiu-Jitsu. He wasn't boxing. And he wasn't like Taekwondo. He was just an old-school wrestler. Dave Scherzer. You know the dads that have the beard that you give them a hug? You know, I'm turning into that dad now. You know, my tender face would get rubbed on my dad's face. That was him. His bald head with spikes on his freaking head. Oh, my gosh. He would grind his head under my chin. Dave Scherzer was like, hey, Kirby, you should, you should go to this guy's seminar and train. You guys are a lot alike. You're a leader and all this. I'm like, okay. So I show up at the University of Iowa at the field house to his Brazilian jiu-jitsu seminar, never having done Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, I thought I'm just going into a seminar. I wear my Taekwondo Dobok uniform that says state champion on it. <laughs> I have no idea. And my black belt. My Taekwondo black belt. He never said anything. You know what he also never did? He didn't try and use me as an example. He didn't, you know, I, I don't know. I always think about how cordial he was and inviting he was. And it just wasn't that way when I got into jujitsu, you know, down here when I first started 2008 with Professor Edder. You know, did you, you knew Professor Edder, right? Back in the day? Edder uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Where, what, so, where, what academy did he coach out of? He's DDR. Oh, yeah. Okay, I do. Yes, 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 yes. Brazil. I know who you're talking about. Yes. But here, he wasn't DDR. Here, he was under Gracie Baja. Okay, I know. Yes, I know who you're talking about. In Jacksonville. Um, trying to think of the guy that was owning the place. And then he came over to ATA and started DDR through ATA. Mm -hmm. And so he was our professor probably for the first two years I was doing jiu-jitsu. So... Um, but then, you know, meeting other guys around the state, around, you know, getting into that jiu-jitsu world was different. But up there, he was just respectful for me, to me as a martial artist. Um, I had been training over a decade in martial arts. And I have, you know, you, you went the traditional taekwondo route too, didn't you? No, I did. I was just thinking when you were talking about that, I almost made the comment that um, I, did, I started off training with Caleb in MMA before he even did a gi jiu-jitsu program at the Clarksville Inferno, before he moved oh, to wow. Arkansas. Uh, Nate and I came out of the same location. So that, that's how I got my start. But I, I you know, wished I would have had a similar story as you. Like, yes, I had a traditional background, and then I switched to MMA, because then you would have both, you know. But I, I do a lot. I, you know, I don't like, here's what I don't want to take the time to learn is what you were saying. Like the katas. It's like, Hey, let's do some shadow boxing and then some sidekicks. And we'll just, we'll say we did traditional martial arts. There you go. But you know, so what's funny is I was doing a, a striking class, MMA class yesterday. I don't have a set striking class anymore. I really have evolved so much over the last few years to realize I built an MMA curriculum back in 2004. I started writing it in 2004. 2005 with somebody um just given this idea think about jujitsu think about karate think about judo think about 
um, even kickboxing, you can get ranked through kickboxing through Duke Rufus now. That's who I was going to go under was Duke Rufus. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has a ranking curriculum. Everything is ranking. And there is, there is nothing at the time of how to teach MMA and what to teach MMA to whom and to when. And, and then think about this, like this ghetto high block. That is a knife hand high block. High block, knife hand high block. White belt, yellow belt. What? There's no difference in ability as you grow and you learn. Inner, outer. Orange belt, camo belt. There's no difference. But in MMA and jiu-jitsu, what I realize is the more you learn, the harder stuff gets. The higher rank, the harder stuff gets, the more knowledge. So I started developing a real intense and, and deep MMA program that has evolved over the years to add judo, to add, you know, of course, jujitsu throughout. And a lot of it is Eddie Bravo. A lot of it's Tim Planet, Brandon McGoffin. We have that same um, interest and friend. And I've added more judo, more wrestling. I, you know, I, you know, again, Luis Pena, I've got Taylor guys right now who's amazing at wrestling. And, and uh, I'm always increasing our, our curriculum to make it a true, what would a white belt learn? What would a white, a brand new person off the street to say that they're learning MMA? What do they need to learn? You know, what, what striking, clinching, takedown, ground fighting, position, submission, escape, what do they need to learn? So it's just been a culmination of the last, seriously, 17 years, you know, 2003, since I started kind of MMA, 17 years of this has been insane. <clears throat> Man, I've been teaching college for two years now, uh, full, you know, full time. It's like 25 hours a week. Uh, and it's going to be less now that we're going to be switching more online. It's just an industry. But um, I really have always had a pro curriculum and pro systematic approach. Um, and, and have always admired people like Eddie Brown. I remember the winter camp, you taught a seminar. And I remember you, it was a Nogi seminar, right? Uh, but I, I remember you showing some 10th planet stuff way back then. And, but man, I think that's very valuable. Greg Jackson, Rufus, uh, all of these kind of high level guys, uh, have developed sort of their own, uh, MMA system. And I, I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have ranking. I remember seeing some of your guys at tournaments that you have ranking now shirts, right? No gi ranking shirts. Yes. Yes. We just do. We do the same, uh, no gi rank. We do like the IBJJF. Right. And I do have some people that do just no gi, but it's um, or like 10th Planet does. It's like gi jiu-jitsu, no gi jiu-jitsu, same color belts. Okay, with the, okay, with okay. the kids, we do the same. We do run uh, the same structure uh, as Caleb does uh, okay, for, his, right. for his program. Yeah. So what's funny is when you're talking about <clears throat> curriculum, I realize that when people talk about jiu-jitsu, you know, my professor – you know, you have a lineage, like you said, you were under Caleb Cables, under Danny, um, Danny Green. So you know where your lineage is and you track it. And a lot of your teaching style now is probably because of how Caleb taught you. And then how Caleb taught you is how Danny taught him. And a lot of that stuff has passed on. But as we as martial artists, what I truly believe, what we have to do is we still have to step outside of what we were taught and to realize, okay, is this functional now? Is this relevant now? Is this theory-based or is this actual combat-based? And, and, and also, what can I do to leave this better than I found it? 
And so what I've done with jujitsu since I started is again, always questioned, am I worthy of this white belt? Am I worthy of this blue belt? Am I worthy of this purple belt? All the way as I'm picking up new information, because I'm such a coach and I developed a coaching program and I developed I'm an, an asshole by trade, really. And if I fight, I'm not a nice guy. So I don't know how to not have my ego in, even though I tell my students no ego. So I needed to be a full-time coach and not try to get my ego involved because I'll get sensitive and up in my feelings. It, you had like 11 pro fights or something, right? Is that correct? I have uh, – my first fight was a pro fight. My second fight was an amateur fight. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Back, back in the good old days. Back in the good old days before YouTube, Sure Dog, and Topology, I didn't know a single fighter before I fought him. Um, I wouldn't even know who he was until I walked into the weigh-ins if he even showed up. Um, that happened multiple times. But um, I think there was 11 or 12 fights. I know my – First fight was a – my first loss, 7-0, was a runic choke. And the only other time I lost was um, to a guy in Louisiana, and it ended up with a TKO. I just couldn't get him off my back. Man, he hit me in the back of the head, I mean, at least nine times. I was delirious. Oh, oh, uh, oh who's uh, – you broke my nose. Oh, uh, bo uh, no. Bob Sapp. Yeah, Bob Sapp. Okay. I was supposed to fight Bob Sapp. Um, so him and I did a face-off down in Louisiana with Tito Ortiz. And it was cool. It was going to be in a Hercules tournament in uh, Japan. But, man, I'm facing off with Bob Sapp. And then I get in the cage and I fight this. Uh, Scott Barrett. He fought in the like World Fighting League. Or... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I fought him. And I just couldn't get this dude off my back. Um, but that's the only two losses I've ever had as a fighter. I have one on there as a loss. But I knocked a guy out. And I got disqualified. So, oh, I I think I remember seeing that. Like you, you guys are like standing up or something like that, it, it, like some sort um, of transitional thing. And they said yeah, he was down. Was. I got up. Uh, we were scrambling off the ground. He's going forward Americana. And what's funny is that I use this when I teach Americana, and half of the last nine years is he just did not pull my elbow down to isolate my shoulder, and my elbow's up in the air. And he just gave me so much space, I was able to back bridge roll, kind of kick up out. I got up, and, man, I flashed him with the knee so hard. Uh, Spencer Fisher was the actual referee that night. I think I think Tapout was there. I think Tapout was there because my wife got a picture with punk ass and skyscrape and mask. It was awesome. I mean, you know, Jens Pulver was there. Rich Franklin was there because he was managing this guy. Um, the truck, uh, the meat truck. How can I not remember who I fought? He was he was one of Rich Franklin's guys. He fought in the Ultimate Fighter. He fought Fedor. <laughs> I'm old. Can, let me see if I can pull it up here. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Scott uh, Scott Barrett. That's who we were talking about. Uh, Scott Barrett was um, down in Louisiana. I think there's a couple okay. records with my name. It's not on Tapology. It's because Scott Barrett's the very last one. Yeah, it would have been before Tapology. Scott Barrett, though. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, these are just wins. Frank Gonzalez, Dusty Pickett, Carrie Shaw. Carrie, Carrie Shaw. Yeah, okay. That's him. Okay, 07. Carrie Shaw. 
that's the one that, man, I had him knocked out and he's all flipped up upside down. The doctor came in, gave him some time. And then after five minutes, the doctor called the fight and he's like, no, I'm ready. He's like, I gave you five minutes to be ready. So, but anyway, that was an incredible, that was an incredible experience. I just love that. I mean, you know, you still go to MMA fights and I love, I love doing color commentary. I love him seeing it fights. I love MMA. I mean, I really love MMA. Yeah, and you do it all, man. Uh, you've commentated. Uh, my wife won a chorus fights, um, uh, but you do a great job commentating. And you do you emceeing, dude. You could turn on the uh, announcing as well. I, but <laughs> I love that. My dream is to be in the UFC doing it one time. One. Well, okay. Well, you know, there's many events as they're doing that they are going to need people. I've seen them using people other than Buffer all the time that I don't yeah, really but- know who they are. Uh, that guy that they use, he's got a really good voice, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm envious of him because he's got a great technique. He came from the WEC. Yeah, uh, okay. that's, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. I have a bad memory, so. What man, but it's anyway. like, so it, do you think, like, just you having a, a pretty strong history of promoting fights, uh, like, in Arkansas and abroad, that you just kind of – know all the roles i mean definitely fighting helps you with your experience um but man you do kind of have all the ins and outs of the industry so to speak when i was promoting in iowa it was because there was nothing kind of like it there you know i mean i know it's huge and mainstream now but you know i'm I'm talking you know it was still illegal in certain states you know um, frowned upon especially in my small town you know, I was just ahead of my time there in this little tiny small town of Iowa. But I loved, I hated the process. Uh, I'll tell you that. But I work unbelievable under pressure. And I realize that if I have no pressure to get anything done, I don't get anything accomplished. And that's just who I am. But if I have three deadlines and it has to be done tomorrow, I'm on fire. I can handle pressure like you no other. I'm getting contracts signed and I'm dealing with the alcoholic beverage commission and the state athletic commissions. I'm dealing with insurance and how I have no idea how I know how to do this. <laughs> I don't know how I was able to do it and then make contracts and get these fights and connect to these fighters. And I just love it. But all of it Saturday night, it always came down to Saturday night to watch those guys. Like I get choked up about it. You know, I have long conversation with some of my fighters and you know, why I'm so hard on them, or I kicked one guy out of my school a couple months ago, um, and I love him, and I still, you know, he's able to come back to open mats, but you're not good for my team, but you're not good for my own mental health. I am so tired of watching guys' potential piss down the drain because of drugs or alcohol or women or because they're lazy or they don't have respect or self-control. They can't show up on time. They won't be there for their teammates. They're selfish. They only think about themselves or their payday or their, so I'm passionate about this and that's what runs me. Yeah, man, it, you see, the bigger you are, the more successful you get, the more cases, cases you see like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, man, the number of people that you and I both have training with us over the years that either quit or went somewhere or whatever, they just are no longer on the mats um, or went somewhere else. They're still on the mat somewhere else or three somewhere else's uh, so many, so many people. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I was, I had my knife. I was stabbing myself. Cause that's what it feels like. It feels like I've been stabbed in the back. 
it feels like I've been stabbed in the heart sometimes. You know, you watch your name get drugged in the mud by another team for for what? Because we, we're different? Uh, we're going for the same thing. I mean, at a jiu-jitsu tournament or an MMA fight, what are we going for? To do every – to to showcase what we've trained um, – how we train, the, the techniques that we train, you know, to give respect to Danny Dream, to give respect to my professor Marcelo, to give respect to my coaches, Pat Militich, and, you know, that's it. But it's also, it's us now. It's you now. It ain't Danny Dream out there coaching your team. It's you. That pressure falls on you, Brian Wilson, Force of Martial Arts. And what do people think about Force of Martial Arts? And now there's a competition. Well, I'm better than Force of Martial Arts. Well, I'm better than Rock City MMA. One match? It does, man. That's the weird, like, especially on the jujitsu circuit for whatever, locally. I, it, I don't, I don't notice it as much when I go out of state, like with like the local scene, but I will say, man, I think part of that has been unfortunately like instilled in the culture of, of like Arkansas in the scene of what we're involved in. And I, I hope that uh, some of that is changing. I'm open to some of it changing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that over time it is, it's, it's, I mean, dude, I like Caleb used to be the only blue belt I knew in all the, all the bite belts in the state at one time were like under during, and there was only like three or four of them, you know? And, and now it's like, there's over 50. Here in Arkansas? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, man, I'm about to within, uh, whenever we, we were going to do two promotions on the 30th of April, that's falling through obviously. Mm. And then oh yeah. Cora and two other people I had on deck for like six, eight months in the future, probably going to do all of them at the same time. So that's five out of our school. Underneath of you. Yes. I mean, drinks, drinks coming in to promote it. Cause I don't even have my first degree yet. Thank you. So, but, the, and, but man, Westside's got several, Caleb has several, all of the guys that own academies, like people like me, you, Johnny Trimble, um, Andy Threlkeld's a bike belt now. I mean, man, it is really like exploding. Yeah, I guess it's I never kinda, thought about that. Kind of mind blowing. Yeah. That's amazing that, so I always, what I'm going to say about you, what I'm going to say about Roly is what I'd say about you. I always had so much respect, have so much respect for you to be able to know that under your tutelage, you have created that. That means they have been with you seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years. And of course, everybody's on a different journey because of their competition level or how many times they show up. I get that. But, um, you know, when I, when I, when I first moved here, and again, Rod, like I told you, Rod was on the Ultimate Fighter, and then I moved here right away in 2008. And in 2008, the Ultimate Fighter, and that's when Roley was on. And uh, Rod's like, hey, I was on the show with him. You need to go check him out. And I actually went downtown to meet him when I first moved here because I didn't know who anybody was. He said, if they're going to train, because I wanted to fight again, if you need to train, you need to go train at Westside. And then, uh, but ATA was not having it. They... They went nuts, dude. They went absolutely apeshit nuts when they found out that I went downtown. And so that's when they went and brought in Edder. That's how, remember PJ? PJ got fired because he was cross-training. Yeah. Because he would sneak out from teaching classes for them and then head over to Westside to train. And I just wanted the knowledge. I just wanted the, 
I mean, he was in the ultimate fighter with, with Rod and Rod's like, dude, you need to go see this man. This is where you need to train. And then to see how many black belts this guy has underneath him and watching them go and train and how many championships they earn. And now how many, how many will you have? Would that be five? Five. That'll be five. We got five in the hopper on deck. Damn. I'm just, I'm just a few years behind. I, I mean, you know, Ashton's only a purple belt. Jared's a purple belt. I've held Trevor off, you know, because he didn't do traditional jiu-jitsu for a while. He's, he's phenomenal, though, man. Um, you know, he's just blue. I have uh, um, Crystal, but she's under her husband now. You know, they've got their school in Sherwood going. Um, Combat Concepts Academy, yeah, CCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one, my guy, John, he's, a, he's, a, he's big time into judo, and he goes over there and trains with uh, Garrett Andrews. Okay, yeah. So Garrett's got a new guy come in. He's got a new Muay Thai coach he just brought in. Um, the uh, Matador. I haven't, I haven't been able to meet him yet. But, um, but they've got something great going on. And, but so Crystal, she's not with me under Marcelo anymore. She's under her husband. So she's running that school there. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just behind the gun. Man, but so it'll come. What's, you mentioned Ashton, you know, um, Brandon McCatherine brought him up on the podcast the other day. So, wow. uh, yeah, I know he's, he's, he's gotten some, uh, I would say notoriety, uh, at least regionally. I mean, Brandon's over in Alabama, but, uh, I've, I expect some great things from him, man. I know he's, he looks super sharp. What, uh, what's going on with his career and stuff right now? I mean, I know everything's kind of in a weird limbo, but yeah, it was, you know, we talk about that as well. You know, when you want to inspire somebody, you know, you plant seeds of hope and hope changes everything. And, um, and in this world of MMA, Hope is the next date. Hope is the next dance. And unfortunately, a lot of our hope is taken. And so the guys weren't as consistent. And so we've got that under wraps now. We've got them coming in. You know, we've got big open mats we were doing. Um, you know, again, we talked about being healthy and being clean and being safe. And, um, and it's hard to do all this and still train for upcoming events. But <clears throat> Ashton, uh, right before spring break, as my wife and I were heading to Mexico, he had a fight in uh, Poto, Oklahoma for a title. And then May 9th, he had a fight in um, Oklahoma City on UFC Fight Pass for a title. That would have been six separate titles in five different states as an amateur 19-year-old kid. He's 19. Did he fight on the same card as Cora that it, on that pyramid fights? I want to say they did, but I, I could be wrong. I've seen him fight a couple of times. I don't know. Fights built blend. <laughs> I, I hit probably 30 or 40 in a year. Uh, I, yeah, I know, man. It was, it was one of those ones over in Batesville. Uh, yeah, I remember Batesville. So. He might have fought. You know, so we've had some time, you know, some trouble also on some of those cards that these guys will book and then three weeks out, they just pull out for no reason and we're left hanging. And so that's also happened to him because it's hard to get that experience. He's nine and one as an amateur. Um, he's signed with first round management. He is scheduled right now to fight in Oklahoma for that title June 20th. So five weeks, he's got a title fight set up. Who's the promoter? Is it Apollo? Brian Foster. Okay. Apollo's still having some fights, so maybe they're still doing things over there, right? I don't know. Yes, they just opened up the state, and because it's now in June, June they can have group, you know, meetings and stuff. There's a, a Rage in the Cage is about to have an event there in July. Um, I've been talking with 
Josh here in, in Arkansas about pyramid of, you know, uh, open up, get a date, schedule it. <laughs> Cause you don't want to be the last one to schedule because these fighters are hungry. B3 is going to be calling us, you know, um, uh, Matt Weibel, Jamie, Jamie, uh, Houston, mm-hmm. uh, the promotion of Mississippi. What, what are <laughs> they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I just had Robbie beard. Uh, he's the president of B3. Now he was just on the podcast. Well, I just shared it today. He was on a couple of days ago. Oh yeah. They brought him in. So I never got to really find out. I mean, what's his, I mean, he's the president now, right? Yeah, that dude's uh, just in martial arts, like in the industry, is a rock star, man. He's like, you know, like what Alan Belcher's doing, just like with the business gotcha. side. Yeah, like he does that. He has like he he at one point had so he was selling so many uniforms that Century called him and was like, "What are you doing with all those uniforms? You keep buying." And he's like, "Well, they're for my students." And uh, cause they like, didn't even know why they were asking. They're like, well, will you come like teach business seminars and stuff for us? But this dude, he's, I- I've learned from him at a couple of like in Vegas, super shows. And no, I've never gone, man. I he's, always, he's just over in, in Memphis. He's like a Bill Wallace guy and he's a Laborio black belt. Uh, so he, a good guy, I think to be president of E3, honestly, wow. he's done it all. Did he, he come in from Florida? Uh, you know, no, he lives to my knowledge. He, he, he goes to Florida all the time. Uh, like he's at the beach right now. Uh, but, uh, to my knowledge, he lives in the Memphis area. All of okay. I thought they brought him in. Karate. Yeah. Uh, but, mm. uh, but he has done consulting in like coconut Creek for like eight, uh, when, what was Laborio with ATT American top team forever. Yep. That's how he got hooked up with Laborious his century and other places were bringing him in as a consultant. So is Laborio not with ATT? I don't think so, dude. I think they all uh uh there was some sort of implosion there. I'm 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 almost a hundred percent positive that's what happened. I don't know all the details. Um because uh th- there's there's been some sort of big change in their organization on the jiu-jitsu side. Hmm. That's all I know. Well, when I first started to have options and offers to um package my curriculum into selling it maybe to Century, to Maya. That's when I found out that ATT came out with a MMA ranking curriculum. And a couple of people were already certified, actually here in Arkansas, um, some people were certified in their first level curriculum. And I took a look at it and it was like, day one, jab. <laughs> day two, cross. cross. <laughs> day three, <laughs> drop levels. Day four, body lock. That was, that was like their four day, I'm like, okay, no, nope, never mind. I'll stick with what I'm doing because it's so much different and better. And so, anyway, he was a part of ATT then. That's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah. He went into a little bit of like his whole, uh, I guess, like different people he's been affiliated with and stuff uh, when we were chatting. But uh, mm. like his whole organization is called USA Karate and they do like Krav. I mean, they did. Oh, that's how I know him now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they're into a little bit of everything, and they've evolved yeah. a lot over the years. But dude, he's been he's been in martial arts since like the late seventies. So yeah, since I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's like I'll get to talking with uh, Dring about like Dring's been doing episodes with me like over every art that he's trained. Like we did one Joe Lewis, one over Superfoot, we do Jiu Jitsu one, and um, but uh, like he'll be talking and. 
he's like, yeah, in 86, I did this. And I'm like, dude, I was even more. <laughs> you sound like him right there in 86. <laughs> <laughs> you literally sounded like him. Uh, I, I can do a pretty good Danny Dring impersonation. Yeah. I would hear, I mean, he's full of stories. And, and man, I really hope I keep some of my memories, you know, because stories, you know, some of the best speakers, speakers are the best storytellers. And so when I, you know, I hit on a stage, you know, do motivational speaking, man, stories really reel them in, can change everything. But, you know, I was on a special board here in Arkansas to, to grow, to change a legislature, write out legislature for MMA to make it legal and to get it away from, um, oh, he embezzled. <laughs> it was the guy that, Johnny Mattingly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, okay, first, so he was the commissioner, the first card I fought on. Right. Johnny yeah. Mattingly won. Yes. Feeling under the table. There's a promoter. He doesn't promote anymore, but man, this guy was dirty. He would let guys fight on his fight card. There's no paperwork on them. You can't find them in the system. Johnny would take money from him. And all you have to do is pay Johnny 500 bucks and um, he'll license your fight. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing has to be written. There's no licenses. People have like 15 fights in the system, but it's not in the system. I, mean, it was, I, I have so, I have a fight like that for sure. I have a fight like that. That like not my first fight, it's not anywhere to be found. So yeah. yeah, people didn't realize that's what it was like when I. I'm telling you, when I moved down here, I'm like, what the hell did I get myself into? I was in a poodle boys club. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm in Iowa. I'm with Militich. I'm with some amazing fighters. Uh, Jesse Lennox from uh, UFC, Ke uh, Keone Coke, Eric and Keone Coke, the Coke brothers, amazing grapplers. They're both UFC fighters. I have the, you could say the great tutelage and lineage up there. And, and then I'm training with these jujitsu guys. And he was so respectful to my dumb, foolish, idiot, personally self walking in with my state champion. Mm -hmm. 2008 <laughs> i don't know though and he was so cool and i'm doing you know bridge drills off the wall and he was so cool down here oh no no they, they ain't got time to mess around with that they're you're gonna call you out you're trash nobody has respect for you they're gonna throw you under the bus you know i remember going to an mma i was trying to do an mma i was blackballed by four promoters when i first started my first um my first mma fight promoted was in February 2009, April 2009. Is that AXC? AXC. June 2009 was downtown Little Rock in the amphitheater. Willie McLaughlin fought on that fight card. Um, Willie's um, coming on the, on the podcast Monday, man. I'm having him on Monday. <laughs> well, oh, my gosh. I, he's going to have so many stories from Bryce out in Jacksonville. Uh, Willie's a character, dude. Yeah. So Willie fought on this fight card. Tim Hamby fought on that fight card for me downtown. Ooh. She's a beast. She um, is, man. So anyway, I'm about to do this show, but in like May, <laughs> I was invited to the bar. This is my memory. What's the bar on the interstate? Oh, um, in Little Rock? Or are you talking about that brickyard place? Yep, in Little Rock. The Cowboy. Okay, the cowboy, yeah, yeah. electric cowboy. I was invited to an MMA fight. They were hosting MMA fights in there. Again, non-sanctioned, just crazy, absolutely insanity going on. And uh, the guy that was promoting it literally got into a fight with the fighter that night. His fighter got poked in the eye. He jumps over the cage, 
there was only this much room from the top of the cage to the roof of the building, the ceiling. He jumps over the cage and shoves an MMA fighter. A brawl happened. My, my, my first, I think it was my second MMA fight I went to. My first one was in Hot Springs that I went to. A guy from the audience got up after drinking a beer and a cheeseburger, got in a cage and fought. That was my first fight in Hot Springs in, in Arkansas when I first moved here in 2008. But this promoter jumps the cage, and then he started bringing these other promoters and coaches in and saying, hey, he's got a fight camp in Jonesboro. Hey, he's got an MMA fight up in Northwest Arkansas. Hey, he's going to have an MMA fight down in Hot Springs all on the same date that I was doing my show in June. And that's when I realized I was getting blackballed from, you know, they didn't want me to succeed. But you know what? I stuck to my guns. I was always professional. I paid them well if they were pros. I took care of them if they're amateurs. I made sure it was on the up and up. I did what I could to make it for the fans and for the fighters. And it just broke through to be, you know, one of the biggest promotions that ever happened in Arkansas. But man, I had to go through the good old boys. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And we're, Arkansas is notoriously like that and in all institutional uh, levels of what we have going on in the whole state. Right. Right. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, man. Well, so did you do, did, did, was it you did AXC for a while and then did change to a different name after that? Is that what? Yep. So I went out on my own and that's why I changed it to Kingdom Promotion. So okay, Kingdom, it was in yeah. Yeah, 2012. Um, I left. So I moved in 2008. I started kind of 2009. So three and a half years I was with, you know, that company and they were just not nice people and they were not Christian people and they were not, no ethics, no morals, no values. They'd screw anybody over for a dime. And it was just hard watching them run their numbers. So, you know, you might have business meetings with your wife or might have business meetings with your staff and stuff. And that's fine. I've been at other big martial arts schools that do that. But man, we sat down and, you know, we never said a student's name. All we did was how many numbers of levels. We had 20 level ones. We had 10 level twos. That means they signed up into one of our programs. We had uh, 15 level threes and we have $15,000 for the month. And that was never good enough. It was a money game, and I was sick in my stomach being a part of it. It was it was hard to watch the the parents pay so much for really so little. And so, I wanted to be a motivational speaker, and I got laughed at by the boss in her office, and she scoffed and chuckled at me at the notion that I'm going to be a motivational speaker. <laughs> Bye, Alicia. <laughs> Talk about motivating you, though, right? Like. It that's the same thing with me. It's like any, any, uh, disgruntlement I get, everybody told me, they're like, what are you going to do with the history degree, Brian? It's like, well, you know, uh, I got you mean this. in college. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I went it, like, here was a real conversation. I tell people this all the time. Cause I, I go give talks and stuff for people contact me for the gym to go talk to high schools and stuff periodically. But it's like, I had a family member that I like super respected and you know, they're very successful and they're like, Look, you should be a radiology technician, okay? You only got to go to school for two years. You're going to make about 38000 dollars a year, something like that. It's a great income. You'll be good. And I'm just like, yeah, but I think I like history. You know, I think I might want to get a degree in history. Like, you're never going to do anything with that. That's, <laughs> that's nonsense, you know, is essentially. But, like, nobody got it. They're just like, what, what are you talking about? 
And, you know, honestly, that can derail a lot of people. And that's why I like going and giving talks and telling that story is like, that's the kind of stuff that motivates me. It didn't motivate me at that time to go become a college history professor, but later on, you know, it definitely uh, became a motivating story. You know, I heard you, I heard you speak. I don't know if you remember, but we were at a ball. Um, the winter March camp, yeah. yeah. Okay, that, winter camp, okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember what it was, but I remember everybody, we all got dressed up. Everybody's in the fancy clothes and you gave a Bushido history. Yes. And I ended up like that's chapter one of my master's thesis now is what that became. How awesome is that? Yeah. So, uh, and I hope to, you know, I don't know if it'll be a dissertation or a book, but I, I will expand upon that. I turned out to be three chapters. Uh, that's incredible. So, you know, well, that's how it started. It was just her telling me that she was literally laughing at me. You know, what's funny is I was, a seed was planted in me by some man that heard me speak. And he said this to my wife and I wasn't doing motivational speaking. It was motivational, but that's not what I was there for. I was, you know, just selling some multi-level marketing product, which I'll never do again. Good Lord. But I didn't know any better at the time. Okay, people, I just didn't know any better. Was that the Visalis shakes? Yes. Dude, you were crushing it on that though, I right? was. I did. I, cr I did crush it. I crushed it. I'm standing on stage with a license plate. I got the car. I've got the regional director. I've got... Hold on. I think... Oh, there we go. I think I got muted. Can you, you hear me? me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, got sorry, call was coming in. You got the call. Um, or you got the car, you said. Yeah, so I got the car. Um, so I got the car. I was getting regional director and I was growing, but my focus changed and the narrative became instead of it, it was watch me. Stop telling me I'm not going to. Uh, my license plate said, I told you so. I hated that idea. I didn't want to. I tell people all the time, these guys that come to me, this dream of fighting. And when they always say, because somebody told me I couldn't do it, I'm like, good, then make sure you have a reason to do it, not because of them or in spite of them. They should that have too. Nothing. That's great. They should have nothing to do with why you're doing this or why you're not doing this. It's all on you. And if you leave it to them, you've given them the control. You've given them the control of how your emotional control, psychological control, or your physical control. I can't go lift weights because somebody told me I had a bad body. I can't go here because somebody... If you do it for them or in spite of them, they're still in control of you. And I realized I loved when people were just going, you know what? I'm done. I got rid of all sweets. Um, I got rid of all junk food. Um, I've been walking with my husband, a couple moved to Hawaii. That was at one of my events. And she says, you changed my life. She's not even on the product. She never even started the product. Just the idea that she made a decision one day to change her life. And she did. So this guy standing there and he said, your husband is unbelievable. We hire, he works for a big firm here in Little Rock and we hire speakers to come in. We pay him $20,000 to come in. It's crazy. And none of them are like him. And that seed planted in my head for my wife, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the next, you know, Tony Robbins. So I did, I went to John Maxwell training camp. You know, I went down Florida and got certified with John Maxwell. And I've been going to universities and I, I love speaking on a stage it's my favorite thing to do man i think you would crush it um the martial arts super show as a speaker right i know it's probably not a like not the kid like they have a big keynote or whatever but you know like like a class like barry van yes. over he does those and stuff but he, you know it it's really like a place love, that's impactful for sure i love those things i would love to do that however i know i don't have the clout 
to do that yet. They don't know me. They don't know what I've done or what, you know, and I know there's something has to be significant and that's going to come. I just don't know what it is. Um, you know, I've got, you know, I did the family feud. That was fantastic. Everybody loved it. Um, I've got that. real fortune. That. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, dude, I did an MMA demo on national TV. How awesome is that? Who else can say they did that on national TV? Uh, God, that was such a great memory. Um, Steve Harvey was hilarious, man. He, I thought I cussed. Bruh, this guy, when the camera's not on, he steps, he steps in front of this line on the stage, and that means the cameras are not live, like, to the, you know, what they're recording. He's standing in front, and he'll do his pep talks. He'll do motivation. He'll do jokes. And he is just dropping F-bomb like you wouldn't believe. I mean, but funny. I mean, I feel embarrassed for this 90-year-old grandma on the audience of what he's saying. That's how bad it was. But then he gives his testimony. The next one, you know, we won that game, and we went on to game number two. He's giving his testimony out there. It's just, he was unreal. He has an incredible story about, like, his life, of, like, when he first started breaking through uh, in, in the comedy. Stand-up, stand-up comedy, yeah. He was, he's hilarious. I want to take over Pat Sajak's job. You know, I got a call to be on the Wheel of Fortune, and it got canceled because of COVID. Um, oh, man. Cool. And unfortunate at the same time. Unfortunate. But I had to actually cancel myself because we were on our way to Mexico for spring break. And I, I, was, I still went to Mexico. Nobody else was hunkering down. I'm, in, I'm on a beach in Tulum, and there's nobody around me. I'm literally isolated. My wife and I are almost the only ones in this resort. So I had to go. But the lady said, we're just going to ask a few questions. Have you been out of the country in the last 14 days? I'm like, yeah, does Mexico count? So they had to pull me off. But they're going to pull me back in the hopper, and hopefully I'll get that phone call to go back to L.A. But, you know, something big is going to come. I have no idea. And I was telling you, you know, this is B. Where is A, bro? I don't know. We're, we're, we're in the Latin alphabet and some great characters over here. Uh, I feel yeah. the same way, man. I joke with people. It's like – didn't plan any of this really don't have any of it figured out just figuring it out as i go along learning as so much what got you started this podcast why'd you start this man i just like so a i always had an interest in film when i was in high school i wrote like my term my senior term paper on the history of film like and i, I didn't even have as intensive if a, a history interest at that time uh but uh when when i Went into college. I took some film classes. I love those. There's no film school awesome. around. Filmed some documentaries. Filmed a history documentary about my grandpa being in Norm at the Normandy invasion. And uh, oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Recorded. Then they hired me to like be a videographer uh, to film pr uh, professors on campus. So I got a lot of experience doing that. And then man started putting YouTube videos out. Our YouTube channel for the gym has about like uh, 650 videos or something. So it's just like been a natural progression for me, you know, to kind of get like, and like, so like you're on like my image, I do like a sports unraveled string of shows. And this is like the 17th MMA show I've done. I've done like 25 jujitsu shows and uh, like 65, this life unravel where I just, try not to burden people with MMA and jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah. I get it. I mean, when people say, so why do you, my sister, I know she meant well. I, I want to say she meant well. But when I got that certification from John Maxwell, her words were, well, I hope this makes you happy. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, as you know, she's still at home, doesn't work with her 14 kids in Iowa. You know, she's going to go do nothing. She's doing nothing. And that's okay. And she's happy with that. I'm just not. I am. This is. Actually, I saw is, I saw your post-its up there while we were talking. I was like, man, I wonder what he's got going on there. That's my book. You know, this is a book that I've been working on, and I had to stop because I can't finish this with a sound mind and hand a public hand the public or have an opportunity to put something in your hands when I don't feel like I'm I'll never be finished and complete, but there's one thing I have left to do. And I feel like I can't finish this without being in a feature film. That's the one goal that I have to have. So of all the stuff that I've done and I've built, I was talking with the CEO um, and she just wrote a book. She's in North Little Rock. She's a fantastic leader. She's brilliant. She helps women and men, but she wrote this book and she's like, this book isn't making me money. The book has been a key to open up doors that she wouldn't have ever had before because now she's a published author. And, yeah. and she built a business. She's a CEO of her own business. And in her business um, that she built, there are so many in the industry business coaches and they've never even ran a business. It's like the people complaining right now about opening up small businesses who don't own a small business and who still get paid from the comfort of their home. So, I don't feel like I can talk about your passion and your purpose and your fulfillment and that, that peace, that burning desire that you know is inside that's sitting there subsiding. I can't talk about going and living through that. So I was in a short film in Texas two months ago. It was my first film. But I want to feature film before I finish this book. So that's my personal goal outside of MMA and jujitsu. Nice. That's awesome, man. Like I've got, you know, something I started doing recently um, after I finished the Goggins book, uh, Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. Have you, have you listened to that? Yep. Yep. I started I doing the, the accountability mirror. Uh, and man, like that, that's a game changer. Yeah. You know, every, like every, every day I go in my bathroom over here next to the studio, I look in the mirror. It says, write chapter one of your first book. Right. And then it says, read or listen to because I, I listen to more books and I read listen to 100 books write your first article publish your first article so it's just like man that's been a game changer for me and then within that like I have these little processes a lot of times I'm, I'm breaking up one of those post-its into other post-its yes that's what this is yeah I mean literally the the blue is the beginning this is this is it and then from the personal development the persevere of of the, you know, we use quotes when you're teaching MMA classes, you know, we talking to your kids, you know, if, if they get tapped, well, did you lose? Uh, you win or you learn. That's what we teach them. Right. And then actually giving the meat to that, not just some fancy win or learn, win or learn. No, it sucks. It, it sucks. But you know what? You want to quit. You want to give up or you want to get back up and learn from it. Let's move on. Let's go. So use this pain to endure, to push you. So that's all these are, are the main subjects to go into it, to break it down. Um, edible bites. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about this a little bit and it, you know, I think we're in a cultural climate where like 
MMA is going to sell so much more metaphorically and is like in story format in like works. Like think about Gary Vaynerchuk's book, jab, 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 right. Right Yeah. Right. It's a boxing analogy, but you know, like most of the people in his audience, boom, they get that. They get it. Like, but we're in an era now where everything we're talking about is now the feature spot on ESPN. Right. So like, I mean, that just in the consciousness of, uh, of the United States or of the world globally, what MMA has grown to, I, I, it's an exciting time for all that. And I think that it's going to become more and more and more and more prominent in our culture, in pop culture, in books in movies and television. Remember when, like, Ooh, I remember yeah. when the, the video game first came out, like the, like, I think there was like a PS one MMA game or something like a very crude early inception. And it was mm, like, think. Oh, oh my gosh, like we can't believe this. But then look how far just that's come with the UFC video games and stuff. Yeah. No, I think you're right on that. You know, we've, um, I read a book, Wild at Heart. Have you read Wild at Heart? No, no, no. Do I need to add it to so, my list as a question? And, and I would probably bump this up to book number one on your list. If, okay, if I okay. could ever say so. I was really upset that I didn't read this 10 years ago when my boys were younger because this book has been out for a while. And he has a new unbridged revised version. Um, and, and in the audio book of this, he actually answers a question. Would you have changed anything? You know, is there anything different now that you look back at this book? And he says, absolutely. This book is more relevant now than it was when I wrote it then because we are emasculating our boys. We are emasculating our society. We're putting a label on everything, but not really giving them a label. And then we're shaming people. I'm being shamed because I'm a man or, you know, you're being shamed because I only like women because I'm straight. I'm Christian. I'm Republican. I'm shamed for who I am. And this book was unbelievable talking about what men truly need. I mean, really what truly need and beautiful part about it was I've even suggested this book to a couple single moms who I watch and witness as they emasculate their boys. And they don't even know. It. They don't even realize that they're stripping their their manhood away from their children, being the only female lead role in their life and not being the disciplinarian and only the nurturer or vice versa. Wild Heart was phenomenal. It's changed my life. Is that El- Eldridge? Yeah. Eldridge, Eldridge. The author? Okay, cool. I'll, uh, I got it on Audible here. I'll add it to my list. Dude, I'm telling you, it, it really impacted me um, greatly. Man, but I'll it, tell you, this podcast, like this little exchanges like this has been a big game changer for me. It's like, what really? great conversations, but like, man, because I've been doing this hundred books thing, it's like almost everybody I have a conversation with. Well, I guess I, t- I talk to people that also consume a lot of books, but I've gotten so many good book recommendations on the show. Yeah. Well, somebody just gave me one day. I just gave me one today. Um, he said he was going to text it to me. Fortitude. Uh, who's the politician Crenshaw Uh, Crenshaw yeah Dan Crenshaw that's on my list Um, okay I've heard it's really good I like that guy and uh, yeah I can't wait to read it so he he just gave me that suggestion so I'm gonna download that in my audible um, this weekend but I'm excited to consume that but but I mean as far as MMA I know we've been all over the place with an MMA podcast (laughs) Uh, I I hope people can respect the, the culture that is, what? is brought yeah. in and not just punching and fighting and kicking all the time. Well, man, and um, it's going to take people like yourself doing things for the culture in the States and then moving it forward from human cockfighting 
at one point in our in our recent history to ESPN, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's that's an awesome transformation, and it takes people braving that in different states and and how amazing and brilliant. Let's just talk about the brilliance of Dana using the POTUS <laughs> to pimp him out <laughs> on national TV and the White House line saying, oh, Dana White's awesome. Dana White's doing a good job at the UFC. And they got, what? And then how brilliant was it that they were tweeting and putting the tweets on there and using hashtag UFC 249 and only the blue checks. Because, of course, I'm like, who maybe they'll retweet. And I'm like, they're only getting famous people up on TV. But you know what was trending? Number one. UFC 249 trended on Twitter all night long, all day long. Yeah, and then that's out awesome. of the top 20 trending hashtags, seven or eight of the top 20 were all about UFC 249, about Cowboy Cerrone. I don't know if Twister or Bryce was on there or not, but um, that was that's just phenomenal. We've been That Swedish Twister, are you familiar with like the Swedish Twister from the 10th Planet warm-ups? No. Okay, so like I just got onto this. 10th Planet Warmups has an app. It's really good. It's no instructional. It's just a flow drill. But the D, uh, was it D3, I believe, has this thing they call the Swedish Twister, and it's hard to hit. But Bryce hit it, man. Um, and it was beautiful. It's like where he, he passed the arm down under his waist. Yes. It was awesome. Oh, okay. And like he did, like he had this here, and he, he, you have to reach out to get your arm. Swedish Twister. Swedish Final Three is what they're calling it. Uh, so, okay. For all of a sudden, I can't find a pen and buy journals or anything. I'm going to have to write that down. Or Here, that. I, I, will, uh, I will shoot you a, uh, yeah. a message. Well, hey, so I'll tell you been, what. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we've been playing with that because, you know, we hit the Eddie Bravo, the style of the Twister. But one, you know what a lot of people don't talk about was when Eddie Bravo hit this in a tournament, he was actually in low what we call low sitter, uh, thank you. I, I just saw the message. He was in what we call low scissor, and the guy was trying turning into him, and he hooked his leg, rolled, and he went for a banana split. He went for banana split before he ever got the twister. Nobody ever talks about that transition between from banana to twister, twister to banana split. And Bryce had the banana split because he wasn't up to his head. He was kind of almost perpendicular, and his leg was right there. So we actually been playing the transition between banana split and twister and twister banana split from half guard, from single hook, from right in the back, and then also from like an advanced back take. You can't get both hooks and they get back up. And we take that on, man. Oh, we've been playing with it. It's been a lot of fun because some of those guys have never done it. Everybody wants the cool shit. Yeah, yeah. So man, and it's been a lot of fun. That is, uh, Bryce has had some incredible moments in the UFC already, making, uh, making Arkansas proud. And, you know, I know I say this all the time. Luis, too. I, Luis, too. And, and Luis, so Luis, we've got something planned this summer, I guess. But I want nothing more. I know I have my Rock City MMA business. And I know I'm in West Little Rock. You know, I have so much mad respect for Bryce. We, we chew it up every time we see each other at fights. He's come over cross-train before. Hopefully, I can get him into fashion very soon. I and for the reason because I am an MMA because we are in the sport we are in the state together I want this to succeed I said this all the time I want Thomas Gifford to be at the top I really did I want Luis Pena to have that title shot I want Bryce 
to win and be submission of the year, submission of the night, fighter bonus. I want everybody to know Arkansas and camo shorts. I want TJ Brown. Man, I could not believe he lost his fights. Gosh dang, I couldn't believe it. He, he did so well. He has another opportunity. And I know they're not with me. But as a fan, I am still a fan when I call fights and when I'm emceeing and I'm staying in that attitude, we're going to 429 pounds, you know. I still get goosebumps when I call amazing fights. I am a fan. I want them to succeed so bad. And I cannot wait for Bryce to face a top 15 opponent. I would, I'll tell you a fight that I would love to see him in, and it may be uh, – that guy may be a little too high in the rankings, but I'd love to see him fight Zabit. <sighs> That's a beats a dangerous man. He is, That's but a, yeah, it would be a good, it would be a very good challenge. It may be a little soon, but man, they're both good grapplers. Yeah, I just, I know Bryce. What people don't see is Bryce just got the second most lopsided judging card in the history of MMA. Thirty twenty four was one of the was one of the sc- uh, score sets. Like I've never even I don't even think I've heard any that. other fight. They would be calling for the head of the referee if that was a striking fight, right? Because thirty twenty four means you weren't even in the game. You were just getting demolished. This is a black belt, bro. Uh, who, who's up? About uh, Laborio. Yeah, who, who, who kind of talked shit and told Bryce to, <laughs> that he better not take him down and stuff. So that was some sweet. <laughs> yeah, he's going to armbar him. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I loved it. I love the fact that what people may not recognize how one side of that was, that was against a black belt. So I know, I mean, I know as he's moving along and those other guys that up there that are in the title shots, have the title, or in the top ten, that Bryce is – good enough to be with those guys because we just watched what he could do to a black belt. I mean, there wasn't and one time you heard Joe say, Oh, Hey, he could be rolling for, yeah, never, never mind. <laughs> you know, he's going to roll for an ankle lock or something like that. And Bryce like, Whoop. and then Bryce got up. Did you see that one time? Um, Cause you can hear Roley. You can hear him coaching, stay on top, no matter what, stay on top. And Bryce in some exchange, you turn around and wham, shot on this guy so hard and fast, took him down again. He, Bryce was all over him. It was awesome to see. It was, man. That was exciting. I've watched it a couple of times uh, since it came out. I'll probably watch it again just because such a good high-level case study for those twister transitions and truck, man, honestly. I viewed that. um, I showed that on our TV in our academy that we were doing twister. I'm like, okay, so let's come watch Bryce do this live. Oh No, we watched Korean Zombie do it first. So we went back to the very first one and watched Korean Zombie. Cheng Jung-gung, or I can't remember his name now. Watch a Korean zombie do it and watch him beautifully hit this and just watch him peel that off. It's just that swim, man. You know, once that swim happens, it's it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, man, uh, I got another guy coming on here in about 15 minutes. Tell, like, to wrap it up, kind of tell, like, what you got a website. Can people contact you if they see this and want to have you come do a uh, talk for them? Like, what's all your contact info, social media, and stuff like that? Well, um, thank you. That's awesome for that, to give you that platform as well. You know, for MMA, you know, I do, um, you know, I mean, other than doing seminars, you know, at my school, or I'm going to Oklahoma, I'm going to Minnesota to do a seminar. Um, 
I love doing them because they get to see something they may have never have seen because I come up with. <laughs> we have a Carol Baskin, just so you know. I, we have a move called a Carol Baskin for MMA. And all I can, and I'm going to use it. I, I promise you, you're going to hear the color commentary in Oklahoma, June 20th. And you're going to hear me go, Carol Baskin. And they're going to go, oh my. And somebody's going to go, killer, husband, wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, I love creating names that nobody else knows. And we have. So I love doing that. And then that's my favorite part of teaching a seminar is just giving them something they've never seen or done or something like that. But rockcitymma.com, rockcitymma.com, rockcitymma on Instagram and on Facebook. But as far as me, it's Coach Kirby Speaks. Most everything is Kirby MMA or Coach Kirby Speaks um, when, um, for speaking. And most of the stuff like social media, you know, I try and have like an email or a phone number um, for them to contact once they get to those, those sites. The best thing is just to get them to the sites, rockcitymma.com or CoachKirbySpeaks.com, or Coach Kirby Speaks on pretty much any social media platform. Well, hey, man, uh, again, I appreciate you coming on, and I'll share this over. The uh, the podcast, it's been growing. I've been getting a, uh, a lot more views than normal, probably because I, I, I've been having some really good guests. Uh, the Like, the pandemic has forced me to – I've been doing <laughs> episodes with people all over the U.S. instead of, like, the professors I know locally and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, not just that, but people are home, and they want to be fed. You know, there's so much information out there, and they're going to find what they're looking for. The first thing I said to this guy is, I got to go at the car dealership. I got to go. I'm going to podcast. And he goes, which one? Which one are you going on? So nice. so that's the first thing he asked. That's what these guys look for. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's it, Podcasting is just – I never would have thought it would have, would be like this now, that it's just become what it has. But it's awesome. It's awesome to be a part of. Yeah. So. Thanks hey, for thank coming you so on, much man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, bro. Take it easy. Have a great day. Yeah. You too. Bye-bye.